Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God from Romans 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh. It was declared to be the Son of God in power, according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. This is God's word. A merry and blessed Christmas to each and every one of you. Now, you need to know that Lutheran pastors who follow the church calendar get a little bit antsy about Christmas coming too soon. Because it is Advent right now. It is not Christmas until, well, technically the 25th, but in the church we often observe a day the evening before. So Saturday night we can properly say Merry Christmas. Those 12 days of Christmas that you've probably sung about before, they don't actually start until the 25th. It's not the 12 days leading up to Christmas. It's the beginning on the 25th. 12 days leading up to Epiphany. Actually, before the church reaches Christmas, it has a song that it sings that we actually just saying the hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. I don't know how many of you like to read the little information at the bottom of the page on the hymnal, in the hymnal, little information about that hymn. There's some neat stuff down there. And O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is no different. That's a hymn, says from the 12th century, the 1100s. And it's a hymn based on what are called the O Antiphons. You know how when we say the intro at every week, there's a verse that's at the beginning and a verse that's at the end that repeats itself? That's called an antiphon. And in Advent, in those last seven days leading up to Christmas, when the church would gather for Vespers, its evening service of prayer, they would use a different antiphon for each of those days. O Emmanuel, O Key of David. Oh, desire of nations, all seven of them. So the church has a way of not getting to Christmas too early. But sometimes our joy and anticipation outdoes itself. We can't wait. We even sang a Christmas hymn. Tonight, today, the beginning of the service, O little town of Bethlehem. Some churches, according to the custom properly, wait to put their Christmas tree up until Christmas, not in Advent. Although I've never been in a church that actually does that. And indeed, our Christmas tree went up, I think, one or two days after Thanksgiving in our home. We have a hard time waiting for Christmas. And yet, that is indeed what Advent is about. It's waiting upon the Lord who comes to us. 
Now, St. Paul, in writing to the church in Rome, back in the first century A.D., begins his letter with an incredible message of joy and hope and promise for that church in Rome. He doesn't wait. He just kind of gets right into that hope and joy right off the bat. I think it's perfect for how we, as the church, indeed approach Christmas. We can't wait for our celebration. We can't wait to begin the traditions of the season. Now consider the church to whom Paul was writing. We often lament what it means to be the church in our day and age. And indeed, if you watch your 24-hour news cycle or scroll through your social media feed, you're going to be finding all sorts of things that give you discouragement, things that cause you to despair, things that especially for you as a Christian, you will find troublesome. I think we do well as the church to recognize the things that are challenges before us, but also to recognize that the church has suffered throughout her entirety from the very beginning. Rome would have been an example. What was it like to be a Christian in first century Rome? Christians stripped naked and their bodies covered in tar and then tied to a pole out in the midday Mediterranean sun to let the tar on their skin boil and bubble. Christians having their eyes gouged out and being left outside so the birds can pick at their wounds. And of course, you know the Colosseum. While we order our Sunday afternoons around watching Packers and Vikings and Lions and Bears shred each other apart in the Colosseum of Sport. Roman citizens gathered to watch Christians ripped apart by lions and left upon the Colosseum floor. And yet in the midst of all that, the church grew. The church gathered with a sense of purpose and meaning and confidence. They did not get to a point which might have been understandable to say, this isn't worth it. No, they reckoned that it was. They were filled with the joy and hope that Paul sets forth at the beginning of his letter to them where he talks about being a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, the Jesus who was promised through the prophets and the holy scriptures. And then St. Paul talks about the nature of this Jesus on whom the church is built, that he is the son descended from David according to the flesh, and yet also declared to be the son of God, in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. This Jesus, on whom the church was built, in whose name the Christian church gathers and does the work set before it, this Jesus is both son of David, a son of man, and yet also 
Son of God. He is the Son of the One who reigns from heaven on high, and yet He is descended from mankind here on earth, from the line of David. This Jesus, the One whom is found in the manger, is both all the power and might of heaven, and yet truly and fully man here on earth. It is as though heaven and earth meet together in a collision in the manger. There in the manger of Bethlehem is found both Son of God and Son of Man. Or, as St. John would put it in his Gospel, the Word of God made flesh. God with skin. God who would suffer and die like the Roman Christians after him, like the church has done throughout its life. It is common for us at this time of year as Christmas approaches to talk about the reason for the season. And of course, lots of people get that wrong. We know Christmas is not about the presents or about the meal that we might gather for on Christmas Day. It's not about keeping certain traditions that our family may or may not have kept alive for many, many years. You'll hear some who will say, Christmas is a time for family. And yet it's not. Though it is good, very good, to be with family at Christmas. Some will say Christmas is about giving to others and showing to love. And even though giving to others at Christmas is very good in showing kindness and compassion, that is not the true meaning of Christmas. Well, it's about the boy born in Bethlehem, Jesus Christ, our Savior, come to us, born there in the manger. And that's getting there to what the reason for this season is. But what I invite you to ponder in your hearts today, as Christmas approaches, as Advent winds down, these two questions. Who is this Jesus born in Bethlehem? And why has he come? Who is Jesus? Why has he come? For he is, as Paul says, the son descended from David according to the flesh. Skin and bone, flesh and blood as you and I are. Born of an earthly mother, descended from the line of David. With a family, a lineage before him. And yet, not just a man, but also the son of God in power, according to the spirit of holiness, 
by his resurrection from the dead. Man and God in one Christ. Heaven and earth colliding in the manger. Because what Christmas does for you and me is take that gaping chasm that exists between us and God and it removes it. So understand this, dear children of God, that we do not gather as the church to try and get the attention of God in heaven and somehow jump up and down and wave to see if he will notice us. No, our worship, our gathering is with the conviction, the understanding, the hope, the joy that the distance between heaven and earth is gone. The word of God is made flesh in this Christ who comes to us. Heaven comes to earth. The King of kings and Lord of lords who reigns on high takes up his throne, yes, in a manger, but also wherever that word is. The word he proclaims to you today that sins are forgiven and life eternal is ours. That word is Christ. Of course, the bread we eat, the wine we drink. Our Lord Jesus makes his throne in bread and wine to come to us with his very body and blood. Heaven isn't an infinity away from us. Heaven comes to us because heaven and earth meet in Jesus. There is no greater Christmas tradition to keep than to be where Jesus makes his throne, where Jesus comes to dwell. Do you want a Christmas that's filled with meaning and substance? Well, then come to the house of the Lord and eat Christ's body and drink his blood. Do you want to live with the same hope and joy that the first Christians did? A joy and a hope that led them to suffer all, even death for the name of Christ? Then confess your sins and hear the gospel that Christ's blood sets you free. Free to live as the people of God. That is the real joy and hope of Christmas. And always, the joy of being forgiven sinners. The joy of knowing that heaven and earth meet in Jesus. And you know precisely where he's found. Here, in his word and his gifts of eternity for you. Amen.
The peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.